Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Well, bro, here we are. And can you believe it? We are 12 days. That's Brandon Smith until... The season opener when we go up to Madison and take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Are you feeling it? Are you getting ready? Are you getting hyped? I guess what you meant by Brandon Smith was 12 days as in his 12 jersey number. Yeah, Is that what you meant? Of course. Not like Are you he's taking, 12 years old. He's 12 years old. He's a 12 you, on a 1 to 10 scale. <laughs> did I send you the picture of what he looked like uh, from a, like the, apparently the team went on like a boating outing over the weekend or something. And did I send you the photo? Of what he looks like? I don't like. think he did. Oh, dude. Are you a are um, you a fanboy? Are you a? Are no, you I follow the, I follow him? Penn State football on Twitter, <laughs> dude. You, you, dude. You jackaloon. Um, and there was like a a picture of like Noah Kane and Brandon Smith and a couple of other dudes. And uh, I mean, Brandon Smith looks like he, he looks like he looks bigger than Micah Parsons. He looks more jacked than Micah Parsons. Uh, I just Dang. sent you the photo. You should take a quick look at it. Um, but anyways, yeah, 12, 12 days until um, what college you looking at it? Oh my gosh. He's <laughs> cut, dude. Listen, I, I don't know what that sounds like to, to the people out there that are listening to, to two grown men, uh, you know, <laughs> gawking Ogle, over uh, a linebacker, 20 year old kid. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, this this is our the leader of our defense essentially um and with having lost Micah Parsons um in the draft and you know Brandon was supposed to be fill that role last year uh, you know we'll, we'll talk more about him as this is going to be a preview of the defense and special teams so I'll save that for later but the, you know long story short 12 days as of this recording it's Monday the um the 23rd and by the time you listen to this uh folks at home I guess it'll be 10 days or so maybe even less like who, that. Knows? who knows yeah well so look, yeah so we are talking I'm about so- the defense <laughs> me too, me too. Uh, yeah. We are talking about defense today. Um, before we get to that, we're, uh, we've got some news and notes. Um, we'll break down the defense. Uh, looking at last year, uh, sort of underperformance. Um, we'll look at the position groups for the defense, and then we'll also preview the special teams. But uh, before we do that, we're going to get into a new segment uh, that we're calling, appropriately enough, Mailbag. Mailbag time. So, so like, well, we're getting these, these, we're getting this bag of mail from the train. Like, what? <laughs> of course, dude. Yeah. Went on a pony, you know, like the Pony steam Express engine. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, we're old school. <laughs> um, oh, and by the way, just because you know, I love to to go backwards uh, briefly all the time. Yes, and, and it's your right. people back home. We are the blue and white brothers. Um, so we are two different brothers. Obviously, we are different in, in many, <laughs> from many the same ways. Family <laughs> from the same fam- family, of course. But we are two. We different are two different people. Bro- <laughs> we are two very different people. And my brother oh my is very gosh. like focused and straightforward and has a plan. And I'm just like uh, you know a the wrecking ball. I am a wrecking ball. All right. So, so Andy asked me, you know, Hey, are you excited for the season? I am so excited for this season. And remember last week when I shamed you for not wearing anything Penn state related? Well, yes. it worked and you are wearing a Penn state hat. You're wearing a Penn state shirt. You're even wearing blue underwear from what I've been told. 
Is that correct? Uh, that was private information, bro. Apparently not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sharing it. So, yeah. Uh, and here I am not wearing a You're not wearing single, a single Penn State Penn thing. St- I'm not even wearing a shirt right now, okay? Mm. So, um, but I yeah, do have I'm, my- I can compare you directly with Brandon Smith. I do have a lion's mane, so yeah. I, I I at least have something lion related happening. Speaking on my of lion's manes, um, on. our first uh, mailbag item is uh, this is a podcast review uh, coming from the on good Apple, badger. This is coming from and this is Apple coming from podcast. Apple podcast review. Yep. Um, the good badger. So I don't know if this dude's a, a Wisconsin fan. Interesting. He's but not anyway. only a Wisconsin fan; he's a Wisconsin graduate. Oh dear. Um, anyway, yeah. he says uh, came for the football talk. Uh, then I came back for the beards. I, <laughs> I, by the way, that's not exactly how he ordered it. I don't know if you're aware of how. Oh, I miss specifically. Yeah. That's been worded. <laughs> right. Never mind. All right. Moving on. Um, so um, th- then we've got another another uh, podcast uh, review comment. Uh, this is Tyson three six seven three eight three. Uh, a great listen for Penn State football fans. Uh, Tom and Andy cover the big news, plus their takes from the perspective of longtime fans. That's us, the longtime fans. Uh, these bros are fun to listen in on, uh, where their love for each other and the Lions comes through. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's coming from a Hawkeye alum. Oh, well, the we're really uh, pushing, yeah. pushing the, speaking big of love, ten. we're sharing the Big Ten love. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks, Tyson. Three six seven three eight three for that great comment, and uh, yeah, we do love the Lions, and we love each other as we close. Oh, off, and we lo- each and we love episode, each other because right? we're family, and, yeah. and and apparently our another member of our family, classically, has reviewed Classic. has reviewed our podcast, and the beards um, uh, fe- fe- uh, feature prominently in this as well. Yeah, totally. Our our cousin Matt. Um, Shout out, man! Thanks. We thanks we, for joining we didn't us. ask Matt to do this. Matt just uh, by way of our our aunt, uh, you know, or our mom, maybe he was alerted to our uh, Penn State podcast, um, and he said, "You two knuckleheads call this a podcast? The beards are fake, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's glued on alpaca hair." Sincerely, <laughs> he, your loving he found us out. Matt. <laughs> He yeah, found he found us out. <laughs> All kidding aside, love the podcast. Very informative, and I like hearing you guys banter back and forth. Five stars. Thanks yeah. for uh, well, tuning if in. The five, if the five stars for the banter, we're nailing it already on yeah. this podcast. So, yeah, um, yeah no so doubt. thanks for those uh, comments, everyone. Um, we would love to uh, have the, the mailbag uh, a regular on this podcast, so um, you can certainly uh, leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we'll be happy to uh, but we want you to, to ask us some questions via yeah, we'd our, also love our email to address. That's what the mailbag is really for. We, yeah, yeah, so we're using this as a you know the mailbag segment to to tell you those reviews. But we want questions um, and or comments about Penn State football or even about us. Um, you know, just send them on into our email address, which I believe is blue and white brothers at gmail Correct, Andy. Yeah, and the and is spelled out there. So blue and blue white. and white, no ampersand. Blue A N D White Brothers at gmail.com. Please send us your questions, your comments, concerns, uh, prayers, whatever you need. <laughs> um, but yeah, yes. we'd like to hear from you, please. All of that, all of that. All right. So that's mailbag. Um, and um, now it's time for news and notes. News and notes. All right. So first 
thing on news and notes that we're, is a follow-up from last week, and I, and I imagine we're going to be kind of tracking this for a little while to come, but uh, the rumored alliance between the Pac-12, uh, ACC, and Big Ten seems like it's uh, growing beyond the point of rumor. Uh, in fact, it's been confirmed by a, a number of uh, commissioners. And I mean, include, yeah, including rec- Sandy. Sandy. Yeah, Sandy Barber. Sandy Barber. So um, there are definitely high-level talks happening about uh, finding a way to sort of counteract the uh, what's happening with the two big teams in Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Um, still haven't heard the specifics on what that alliance is going to look like, but you know some of the things we're hearing is uh, scheduling. Um, we're also hearing things like um, looking to protect the sort of collegiate model, quote unquote, not wanting, you know, major college football to become a farm system for the NFL, protecting Olympic sports, um, academic protecting standards. Protecting the and, student athletes. Yeah. And those types of things. For being student so, athletes still. And, that, and yeah. not just looking at the money involved in college football. And Andy, you know, that's something that Sandy Barber said in, in, in her comments about this. It, it was, you know, what the SEC is clearly looking like it is doing, which is trying to, uh, you know, grab hold of these powerful teams to, to, to form a, an extremely powerful conference that they can, you know, revenue share out the wazoo to compete with like the big 10 and, and whatever. Cause the big 10 leads in revenue share, or excuse me, leads in, um, uh, revenue. But so, so these other conferences are looking at what that, that does. And it's like everybody in the sec is just looking at money. Everybody's talking about money and power. And that's yeah. not what college is. That's not what we love about college football. TV you know? rights deals is like a huge, you know, driver of this. And, and, uh, and you know, gonna- so it's, I'm not going to get into the weeds too much, and I don't think you and I should get into the weeds yeah. too much with with all of that. But you know, a guy like Paul Feinbaum comes in and says, you know, it's oh, embarrassing no. for the Big Ten to be, co- you know, consorting with these lesser conferences, the ACC and the Pac-12, um, and, and it's just it's, he says it's an embarrassment because the SEC is you know top dog now and has been for a long time, and it's like. You know, the SEC, oh, the lens through the SEC with which everybody looks at is like championships and money. And yeah. that's not what college football is. So, I mean, so before it's, I continue, it's, it's, at least, ahead. at least it's not all that college football is. R- w- correct. You know what I, I mean, mean? Yes. So before so, I go down into the weeds with <laughs> yeah. all of that, well, I, I just like to I, say, okay. I, I just like to say, sorry, I, I just like to say that I, I think it's great that, um, there are some folks that are trying to carve out and protect some of the other important things about college football and um, try to kind of uh, contain Especially the fallout. comments like Paul Feinbaum says something like yeah. that. Like, yeah, that's that's it feels like, that's ratty. That's like that's yeah, he, it feels like just sort of wrong, lacking man. perspective. Yeah. I mean, he's a homer, obviously. He's a he's a Bama lover. OK, sorry. Well, I'm going yeah, to so, reel myself so the other in. thing I'll just say about all of this is that um, we did also get some confirmation this week that. Um, the Pac-12 has received a number of, uh, you know, schools reaching out to them to join the Pac-12. So even with the talk of this alliance, um, and I think one of the things they're trying to do is is to provide stability and and not have a huge sort of shuffling like we saw, you know, maybe five or ten years ago, whenever the last time it happened. But 
you know, there's still schools that are looking to take a leap and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, yeah. So, so with that, Andy, I, I say we should, I, I almost think that you and I should have a, like a special episode in the next week or two Ooh, before the season episode. kicks off where we talk about these kinds of things at, at, at greater length. Um, cause the, cause it, cause it and will end up affecting Penn state in the big 10 for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I know when we, when we get to talking about it, like, believe it or not, folks, we talk about this stuff outside of the podcast as well. And like, we've had a couple a of uh, humdingers, yeah. uh, you know, like hour long phone calls and, uh, you've gotten heated at times, like really, you've got, yeah. there's a lot that grinds your gears here. So yeah, I, no yeah. promises, but you know, maybe we'll take a special look, a deep dive on this at some point, um, before the season starts. Uh, we'll see my schedule's heating up myself. Uh, yeah. I know your schedule's, uh, kind of in, in limbo at the moment, but I'm uh, always can, just a, a little weird. My schedule's <laughs> wackadoodle. I I, yeah. I am not beholden to uh, many scheduling things, and until until I am, and it's like boom, like my my schedule shifts on a dime. So so we'll we'll see what we can fit in. Um, I'd like to talk. I mean, you know, maybe like an hour special episode about about that stuff. Maybe less. When he says hour, he means like two, because that's what it'll. I, end up I could talk forever. <laughs> and by the but, way, okay, we we are Speaking aware of- that, that these that these episodes should try and be a little shorter, and I'm not great at helping make that happen <laughs> all great in theory until i have to put it into practical application yeah um, speaking of so, some very brief uh additional news and notes aside from um you know the the conference realignment stuff uh some news came out of auburn's camp this week um where their new coach remind me what his name is bro Brian Harson, he was the former boise state head coach and he's now first time head coach of auburn yeah, so not having uh, a great off season so far, apparently. Right. So apparently he's tested positive for COVID. Um, there's some controversy around uh, this because he won't say whether or not he's vaccinated. And I guess Auburn's team is not doing great in terms of vaccination rates. Either they're not sharing those rates or they're, you know, a lot lower than other SEC teams. And and there's some concern about, you know, whether or not their team's going to be available, you know, for, you know, the first couple of games or whatever, you know, they're going to have some quarantines or whatever. So that is interesting. We, you know, we'll stay on top of that and let you know if anything more comes of that. Um, but, you know, I said to you earlier today that, like, I mean, here's a team from the Deep South where there's, you know, a lot of COVID spread right now coming up uh, to Central PA in a couple of weeks. And, you know, is that any cause for concern? I mean, so it's like, will the off season that they're having translate to turmoil in, in the game on Saturdays to be, to be determined, obviously, maybe they're going to have a lights out year. We won't talk too much about it here right now because we'll preview, um, our opponents in our next episode, uh, our season opponents and our season overlook. Um, so I won't go down that. I mean, I mean, keep an eye on. It's something to keep an eye on for sure, because, yeah. you know, they, uh, we, uh, you know, we've been talking at length, uh, you know, me and you, Andy, for years about how we want that high, um, you know, like level upper echelon marquee non-conference opponent and <laughs> right. in comes, uh, you know, a blue blood Auburn national champion in recent memory uh, with Heisman Trophy winning players in, in, in their history. Like they're a great program in, you know, a marquee um, conference in the SEC. 
and like will they be what, stumbling they into camp? Up? Not even yeah, stumbling into the season, right? Will they be showing up as a, a pathetic Half a team? Team, <laughs> you know, or are they going to be showing up ready to punch us in the mouth? Unclear. Hopefully, because we lose that game, uh, and well, they're, okay. they're, we we can't get into that right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's for next week. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah, 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 something yeah, to keep yeah, an eye yeah, on. Yeah. All right. Speaking <laughs> of yeah, speaking of Auburn. Speaking of Auburn, you and I have tickets for that game. Excited about that, and we found out this week that at the moment there is no mask requirement at the stadium outdoor areas of the stadium including the uh concourses and the stands so that's awesome yeah. hopefully 107,000 unmasked fans screaming their lungs out yeah hopefully that's going to be a big deal because like as you were at saying mentioning yesterday what will it sound like if everybody's masked when we're screaming on third and fourth downs is it going to sound as you know eruptious is that a word <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not a word. All right. So, um, moving on. Um, you know, the, the preseason uh, excitement is uh, heating up all over the uh, news sphere. And um, Penn State popped up on a USA Today article of eight teams who could make the playoff for the first time this year. So, Penn State was mentioned there. And so, there's definitely some folks thinking that Penn State could be a dark horse uh, breakout team this year. I mean, they're talking about we have the talent for it, and and we we also speaking of, of having the talent for it, we also are um, leading the Big Ten in number of players that are on preseason award watch lists. We have eleven players. Yeah, that's I think, Ohio, crazy, I think Ohio State only has like seven or eight players on preseason award watch lists. Um, so it's it's looking like people think that we have the talent to be very, very good, at least on individual levels. Um, so yeah. <laughs> we know as you know, big te- or football is the ultimate team sport. So can the we put all sport. those pieces together? Nonetheless, nonetheless, um, we said last week this is a veteran team in a lot of ways, and um hopefully that will put us in a position to do something, do something good. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, speaking of being in a position to do something good, we're going to, uh, look to the defense now. And, uh, like we, uh, looked at the offense last week, looking at defense this week, and we're going to, um, have another blue and white breakdown for you to start us off. We're going to ask the question, what was the cause of last year's subpar defensive performance? and uh, what it might take to right that ship. So here's your blue and white breakdown. Blue and white breakdown. So last year... Breakdown! (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Here's the thing. Last year, we should have had one of the stronger defenses in the country, and with the offense struggling like it was, the defense really could have bailed us out. And uh, guess what, man? They let us down a lot of the time. At least it felt that way watching the games. And um, so we want to take a look at that. What what happened there? And um, to, to start us off, uh, you looked up a couple of statistics. Well, more than a couple of uh, statistics from last year's defense. And why don't you take us through those things? And, and let's just talk about kind of how the defense actually performed from a statistical perspective last year. Well, before I dive into that, Andy, I think first and foremost, we have to understand that our defensive coordinator, Brent Pry, has been with James Franklin for a very long time. We're talking about a decade now. And that yeah, that's a back, great point. 
That dates I mean, back to before they were at Penn State when they were together at Vanderbilt. So these two have it's it's his, it's probably is Franklin's longest tenured coach. So I mean, ten years two, is a long time. Yeah, to, it really to, is to coach. You know, as a team with any other coach, it's a so, long time so to be together. With with you know having a brand new offensive coordinator last year, brand new offensive line coach, brand new um, system in place uh, across the board on the offense, you can understand the problems with the offense last year. But with the defense, you really you know it was a surprise, wasn't it? You know, I, I'm not I'm not gonna like totally bash Brent Pry because because I think you know we know that that it was just a strange year. And but and, and if you're going to compare the offense and defense, the defense is definitely was more um, you know uh, consistent than the offense. I would say now they they you know they lost four games and there's horrible statistics to go along five with games. that. Um, sorry, five they lost games. Five games. They lost five <laughs> games. I blacked out on at least one of them. But, I blacked out but on so, all of them. So so uh, you know he had a brand new de- uh, a defensive line coach too so there were things that 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 were irregular to be dealing with but you really want Brent Pry to be like hey man like if we're going to write the ship immediately right now is the time like I, Brent Pry better have his stuff together because last year you know coming off of, of that defensive struggle he was we were 17th in total defense that's 328 point yards allowed. However, it was better than Alabama and Notre Dame, but I think that's misleading. That's yeah, misleading. I, mean, I was going to say that's you know when you you talked about that, I, I was very surprised because it just did not feel like we were a better defense than say Alabama or Notre Dame. We're not. We definitely weren't. Twenty six, <laughs> 26th in rush defense, twenty fourth in passing yards allowed. But that's Balance not a metric that, there, at least, right? But th- that's not a metric which w- with which we can be, you know, examining um, this defense from last year. Because you know what happened? What our happened? defense was put into short fields all the time, thanks to our offensive turnover woes. So, yeah. and so, like a little bit on like the special teams with like punts and stuff too, right? I mean, right, exactly. Shank. Yeah, punts. we'll get into special teams later, but yeah. yeah. So a lot of short field positions. So, so so here's here's where it's a little more indicative of like kind of how bad we were is we were giving up twenty seven point six seven points per game for the fifty fifth uh, ranked nationally scoring defense, which Penn State is putrid, ne- like dude. we're typically in the top ten for scoring defense, sometimes top five, sometimes number one. With under well, Brent and here's Pry. the problem when again when your offense is struggling mightily, mm-hmm. and struggling in particular to score points. You know, I mean, we and we would have these really long They're getting drives. Getting the field quick, and the, and on the defense offense. is on the field all the time. Well, yeah, you know, and and you'd have these these drives on offense that would like result in no points, and then your defense goes and gives up points like 28 points i mean that's almost four touchdowns per game with a struggling offense that's that is not a recipe uh to win games and so yeah in that sense that you know while it would have been nice to have a higher performing offense the defense really didn't do their part in holding the line no they didn't um and it's sad to watch (laughs) It was, it was really sad, sad to watch. To watch. Was, um, our linebackers were out of position all the time. They couldn't. Yes. They couldn't shed blockers. The defensive line seemed porous quite often. The safeties were totally, you know, out of position. And I mean, seemed like we seemed like least, nobody communicated. <laughs> did did we at least get in the backfield? I mean, did we did we at least get a lot of sacks or like no, you know, tackles no, for no, loss? No, 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 no <laughs> not at all. Literally one of the worst teams in the country 
in in sacks and well not not one of the worst in the country in sacks i'm sorry uh i think we were um i guess we were tied for four i we were tied for oh we were we were almost last in like turnover margin that's what it was we were 112th in the country in turnover margin we had 17 turnovers on the season uh for a negative seven turnover margin well yeah we only got 10 ohio state was number three with a plus 10 turnover margin and when that's your you know your your who you're measuring up against there's no way you're going to compete with ohio state with those kinds of numbers but Uh. so in terms of getting into the backfield we were tied for 50th in sacks with 2.4 a game. We were um, third. Uh, we were, excuse me, 40th, tied for 40th in team tackles for a loss with 6.7 per game. So that's not, just not, not the, a lot. We're not in the backfield a whole lot, in other words. No, the D line did not, and that's John Scott. He's now um, in his second year. John Scott's now in his second year with us. So you really, I think we should start just talking about the D line at this point. You know, well, be- I, before we finish our breakdown, before we finish our breakdown, and um, uh, you know, I, I think one of the other kind of interesting uh, statistical points is that you, you know we were a disciplined team. We we were only thirteenth. Uh, you know, uh, we were thirteenth in penalty yards, so we were near the top of the table in terms of penalty yards. Yeah, we didn't create, we didn't create penalties understood. And that was a team team wide thing, not just defense. Um, Right. So, so, you know, but other than that, you know, I would say we were mediocre to poor. And a lot of these statistical categories, once you dig past the total defense, which is really only means the number of yards uh, allowed, you know, so we didn't give up a lot of yards. Uh, compared to other teams because we're just dealing with short fields. We let them get into the end zone a lot. So, you know, what's it going to take, do you think, just broadly speaking here, how are we going to turn some of those numbers around? Um, how and Beyond the numbers, how are we going to, how, how is our defense going to be able to step back into a strength this year as opposed to, you know, um, uh, you know, not helping our offense out? What, what's it going to take? Well, it's funny you mentioned the offense. Because I think one of the things it's going to take is for our offense not to leave our defense on the field all the time. Because, you know, w- without scoring and holding onto the ball, the, d- the defense is just going to get worn down and worn down. And, and the, uh, the more they get worn down, the, the worse it's going to be on the scoreboard. So, um, y- you know, there was a, um, a quote from Troutwine, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it, he, he came out a week or so ago and, and talked about how he knows his players now. Like, it, it, in his first year last year, he was not able to know his players. He was not able to, to get a sense for who they are and what they need from a coaching standpoint because they were never able to, like, be together until they were thrust into the fire of the season. You know, so, so having this entire offseason... You know, John Scott Jr. in his second year, he can really know what he's working with. You know, he had he he lost John Scott Jr. lost um Antonio Shelton, he lost um a, a, a Shaka Tony, and he lost uh Jason or now Adafe Owe. And then and did I say Antonio Shelton? Yeah, Antonio Shelton left for for the Gators. Um Shane Simmons retired slash uh, transferred to Marshall. So we're talking about five major contributors 
on the defensive line that are now gone and Adisa Isaac uh, being am- among them with a season ending ending injury, which Franklin doesn't disclose. So we, <laughs> we, this is like, you know, we got two incoming transfers in Ar- Arnold Ebiketti, who's going to be relied upon to be our, our, our guy. And then Derek Tangelo, who's going to need to start holding down the fort from the inside too, along with PJ Mustafer. But John Scott Jr. has an entire offseason with all these guys to really know who they are, to, to know what kinds of players they are, to know what they need to do in order to be an effective unit. And I think that the entire defense starts there in the trenches. As we know, the best, some of the best teams in the, the country are always have first-round draft pick D linemen. So that's really important. But I think to, in order to alleviate the, the, what this defensive line is going to be going through from a transitional, you know, being relied upon uh, new new guys coming in. Our offense is going to need to hold on to the ball. And I think that's very very important for for this defense as a whole because we had a great, you know, you know, second layer, excuse me, second level and third level in linebackers and secondary. At least on paper it looks that way. So, I think um you know, you you know, get into get into some of the 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 particulars of some of these guys and what what you think we need to be seeing from some of these guys in the defensive line, Andy. Yeah, so um, we'll we'll shift into our our position uh, groups here in just a moment. Um, but you know, I agree with you. Um, the complementary football. I mean, Franklin does talk about that all the time. So, um, but but the offense definitely didn't help out the defense. <laughs> You know, no, I kind of wondered uh, as we were talking about this, uh, you know, in the lead up to this podcast, it's like, I wonder if Brent Pry is the one who got Sharaka fired because he's like, dude, you're hanging me out to dry here. Like, you know, um, I'm sure Brent Pry, you know, pointing to these statistics, you know, talking with uh, Franklin after the season is like, look, man, I did what I could, you know. Um, but uh, so, so, you know, that. All that I don't know if that's true. That's hundred percent, you know, speculation. But I, it's just it's true. It, you know, the offense last year put the defense in in some bad positions. But I also think you know you mentioned earlier the linebacker play. You know, they were out of position a lot. Like I, that was another unit I thought that let the team down in some ways last year. And I, I think that has a great chance to improve. We'll talk about that here in a few moments. Um, but I think that will also be key. I think some players were in the wrong the position in general. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's go now to our position groups, and um, we're going to talk about you know all three position groups. And um, I do think, like you said, it starts up front. So let's um, let's jump right in to the D line. Okay. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, uh, tons of change. You know, we like we, we lost players to 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 graduation to to trans to transfer to injury, um, and now it's you know luckily we at least have PJ Mustafer who's in his third year, who's going to be anchoring that D line. I feel like um, at least from a known quantity, a known Penn State quantity. I mean, PJ he's Mustafer's- easily the most significant piece of that defensive line right now. I so from a defensive tackle, um, you know, group I, like. I need to see PJ Mustafer move into that like um Jimmy Kennedy type territory where where he's the guy taking on double teams all the time and still like breaking through breaking through and yeah breaking through like we need him to be 
the absolute stud we we you know we've hoped he could grow into now is the time because i bet he's not going to be here past next year unless he has one of those you know epiphanies where he's like ah oh, i've left some some stuff on the field which we obviously hope he doesn't but you know, i think he's he's the he's the keystone to this whole defensive line from you a know known i think quantity uh, uh, yeah a lot of times it's the defensive ends who get you know a lot of the attention um but from my perspective a, a, a dominant tackle, a dominant defensive tackle can make all the difference because, you know, if you're taking on, you know, two blocks, you know, you're, you're really mucking up the middle. You're, you're ruining the run game. You're, you know, when a, a sack comes from up the middle or, or a pressure comes from up the middle, it really changes the protections. It changes the ability of the quarterback to throw the ball well. And, and, um, it, you know, PJ Mustafer is someone who's definitely, you know, had his, um, you know, reputation precede him for quite some time. I think it's his year, man. I think it's his year to really uh, be a difference maker. Um, and he's going to be joined by, who do you think? I mean, who thinks playing next? Well, I mean, the, the grad transfer, Derek Tangela steps, uh, stands out to me. Yeah. He's, he's ready. He's ready to be a, a key contributor. And, and I think that, you know, Fred Hansard has to up his level. He's been, you know, with us for a while now, and we're we're really needing him to to kind of take his next leap, essentially, because, um, you know, behind him it's Hakeem Beeman, who who's maybe a little undersized, but uh, he shows great athleticism. Um, I think the the those are going to be the keys right there is Mustafa Hansard, Hakeem Beeman, and Derek Tangelo. We're going to see a healthy dose of that four person rotation. Um, um, and you know, beyond that, it's a few, a few unknowns, uh, you know, younger guys. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, so, um, uh, you know, I'll say again with the, the lack of experience, uh, and the lack of, um, you know, star power from the end position, uh, this is the year I think for the tackles to, to be, you know, to, to be the headliners, uh, on that defensive line. I would love to see that. I mean, I, that's not to say you know, uh, you know, we keep talking, I keep mentioning from a known quantity, that's like Penn State players coming back, um, you know, from a known quantity, that's what I would expect. But for, as far as the DNs not having any star power, I'm not sure that's the case. I, I mean, okay. I, there's at least one that's being talked about as possibly who, having who, who legitimate star who, power. Who are, who are the ends Temp- that are, are going to make a difference this year? I didn't say ends. I said end. <laughs> um, so uh. from, from Temple... <laughs> From Temple comes Arnold Ebiketti, and I don't know if it's yeah, Ebiketti or Ebikiti or Ebikete, or I have no idea <laughs> well, yet. We'll find out. They, after they the don't. First, they haven't uh, put out. Game. Yeah, they haven't put out the um, you know, the depth chart where they have like the pronunciation guides, and we haven't heard anybody. Yeah. Well, at least know, we haven't know, tried hard enough to find it. Maybe <laughs> I looked, man. Um, but but Arnold uh, Arnold is. I mean, he's he was a big contributor for Temple. He he he's. I think he has the ability. To like jump into that like uh, um, like all Big Ten territory and uh, uh, at least that in would the be co- awesome, conversation dude. of those things. I mean, the question. Is, he, I mean, he has the ability. They're a tough team. Like they, they're a physical team. You know, I guess the question is, is is his success there going to translate? Uh, you know, against Big Ten offensive lines, and Wisconsin yeah. will give him a good chance to find out. Now, I'm also hearing 
uh, about Nick Tarburton, who is a converted linebacker. Um, he never really got any play for Penn State at the linebacker position, but uh, he's a redshirt junior now, so he's been in the program. He's been trying to make that transition from linebacker to defensive end for a couple of seasons now. Um, and now with that Adisa Isaac injury, he is thrust into a starting role, I think. I think that's his role to seize and his um, star to, to you know, climb to and be, you know, play complementary defensive line football with these other guys and Nick Tarburton playing his role because I think I think they're really expecting bigger things from him this season. He's definitely going to be, you know, he's de- definitely going to have um a lot more responsibility and it's up to him to 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 make that leap from backup, you know, defensive end transitioned linebacker to hey man, this is Big 10 football. There's a Big 10 offense, there's Big 10 offensive lines, Wisconsin's right out of the gate on the road. You're going to be relied upon to make you know, some splash plays here and not just hold yeah, the mean, line, like make some splash plays. We need that. It's something we didn't yeah. have last year was a lot of splash plays from the well, defensive and, line. And, and, you know, I mean, even with like Oway, for example, and Shane Simmons, who were guys who, who should have been making headlines every game, they, they were neutralized. And that, that's, that's a little disconcerting. Um, Adisa Isaac uh, being lost for the season is a, is a huge uh, impact. You know, I would say these guys, you know, now's your time. Step up. Time, you know, sky's the limit. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they can do. But that's that's kind of where I'm saying uh, the tackle position here has a chance to really lock things down for us as these, you know, as these ends get adjusted to being, you know, starters in the Big Ten. Um, and, and, you know, and Wisconsin will give them a great chance yeah. to, to, to see. Yeah. Yeah, and before we move on to the linebackers, Andy, there's a couple names I want to mention in regard to the defensive end position. Yeah, and one is Smith Vilbert. He's a retro sophomore. He apparently is like cut from marble, like you know, visual stud, athletic stud. You know, looks the part, but uh, you know, hasn't put it together at least in practices the way you would expect somebody of that caliber uh, athlete to do. So a name yeah, I mean, that he's look out for to see if he can start working his way into a um you know uh, rotational uh, c- contribution yeah. um you know uh, defensive end but and the, i mean the, the other one just interject real real quick sure. you know it, it's just a good reminder that like your metrics and you know your eye test kind of uh things while that's important you know like Oway, for example is like the fastest yeah, guy on Oway's the football field but like at this level it's also about technique you know, it's also yeah. about like, you know, winning those one-on-one battles in a consistent way. And, um, yeah, so a, a young guy, um, like Smith Vilbert, you know, it's exciting that we have that quality of athlete, but yeah, question, will he be able to put it together? Will be able, will he be able to, you know, take the step he needs to, you know, be a major contributor this year? I mean, this guy see. is six foot six, 263 pounds. I mean, let's, and he I'd looks like, oh, wait. He looks like Oway and like, you know, love to see him body fat and his, you know, all that kind of stuff. So like, that's a rangy kind of like athlete out there. Like he can, his, his length, his, his arms can reach up and grab balls and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe make splash plays like another, like Nick Tarburton, who's not built similarly, you know, like he, he, he couldn't do Tarburton's more stocky and, and, and like uh, a little, you know, obviously he's, he's as tall as six foot six, but, but, um you know, Tarburton's going to. Yeah, sorry. It's interesting going into the season with the defensive end position being, you know, a bit of a wild card because usually that's the known quantity. 
Um, right. I, I wonder if we might uh, switch to the linebackers though, because it, you well, know, that's, you you didn't let me finish with the DNs talking. You know, before we switch to the linebackers, we have a linebacker, another linebacker, right? Who's potentially Very making the switch, yeah. and a guy who's yeah. been a key contributor for us at linebacker in the last year uh, to two years is you know our boy Jesse Lucetta, who. You know, sound football player, you know, big, big, big guy, thick guy and a you know, four star recruit. He he looks OK at the linebacker position. You know, he isn't like totally ruining plays, you know, from uh, the defense. He's he's not making great plays all the time. He's making some good plays here and there, but he's also like out of position a lot. And so his his athleticism might not serve him as well as these other linebackers that are going to be you know coming in behind him. So with our lack of depth at the defensive end position, Jesse Locata has they've they've been trying him out. He might play a like a like a hybrid role where he's like you know on the you know on the end um, on the edge or just being part of the defensive end rotation. And we haven't gotten firm. Um, you know, uh, intel on whether or not he's definitely made that shift and and changed position to defensive end. But we've been hearing a lot about how they've been trying him out there. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see what happens in, in week one with, with with a team like Wisconsin who wants to run the ball. Where do we see Jesse Lucera fitting in, especially a guy who's had as much experience and has played as much as he has for us? Yeah, I mean, he came I mean, in with Micah Parsons. Right. It would be amazing to see him um fill that hole there because you know he's someone that you know i think you know we'd be rooting for um you know a lot of hype about him he's a great athlete um be nice for him to be able to contribute in this area and maybe it's a better fit for him um we'll have to wait and see Uh, speaking of better fits uh that's a great transition to the linebacker group as a whole because you know one of the things that we're hearing and this is you know uh, particular to brandon smith um, that, that maybe the guys last year weren't quite in the right fit, you know? And so Brandon Smith, um, as uh, definitely going to be one of our three starting linebackers is making a position change. Um, last year he played the strong side linebacker and he's moving to weak side. That's, uh, Micah Parsons old position. Um, Arrington's position. Yeah. That's the impact position for, you know, you know, any athletic linebacker. Um, to be on the weak side, more opportunities to, uh, you, you know, be that heat seeking missile and, 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 you know, uh, blitzing and, um, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so we, we've got Brandon Smith on the weak side. Curtis Jacobs looks like he's slotting into the strong side linebacker, which is where, as I said, uh, Brandon Smith was playing last year. And Curtis Jacobs is a, is a beast, man. He's, um, you know, slotting into that starting role from a backup last year, and that's pretty exciting, I think, um, given, you know, how uh, huge a recruit he was. And then Ellis Brooks, uh, who was a starter last year, he was going to be holding down the middle. So that's your starting three. And, and Tom, what's your take on this uh, shifting of roles, and how do you think that's going to play out this year? Well, I think I'm expecting wholeheartedly to see um, Brandon Smith uh, make the leap forward the LeVar leap forward <laughs> and <laughs> the you know, LeVar leap and we need it. We'll need that. We would to be yeah, a man. better defense, to be a, a, um, a defense that is going to be competing for a big 10 championship. That's we'll need him to make that leap forward. 
Um, I mean, Brandon he's, Smith. He's is, our star player, it, I think, at this point in time. He's got to be one of your top two athlete, two or three athletes on the defensive side of the ball. I would and, say Jaquan Brisker being uh, yep. one or two. Uh, with yeah, the, yeah, Jaquan's the other one. Curtis Jacobs probably can make an argument for him as well. Um, a little premature for me on Curtis Jacobs, even though Brandon Smith is raving about Curtis Jacobs in practice. So all that to say, you know, Brandon Smith is is a, you know a true athletic specimen he's uh he should be a difference maker and you know last year i gotta say um i was really disappointed um that he wasn't more uh involved in the offense there felt felt like there were many times where he was either out of the play or just making kind of run-of-the-mill plays and, and not kind of stepping up to take control of a drive you know shut things down i mean we saw micah do that um the year you micah played you meant defense that, i'm sure Yes, that's exactly what I meant. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Brandon Smith on offense—that would be interesting. But in any case, you know, um, Micah really take, talked about it. <laughs> take control of the drive, you know, um, shut it down like Micah would do at times, especially in that Cotton Bowl game. Of course, you know, just sort of single-handedly wrecked Memphis's offense multiple times, and we just never saw that. Not that we expected. Brandon Smith to do that every game, but I just never saw that. It felt like ever, really. Maybe once or twice did he have a splash play in the whole season. That that really disappointed me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Brandon Smith makes the move over to, to Micah's uh, position, um, and he is given a an NIL <laughs> an NIL um, oh, yeah, right. deal with, with uh, Jay-Z's uh, Rock Nation Sports. So, so, so he, he better be living incentive. up to, yeah, <laughs> better be incentive. living up to, to, to that, that new role because he's going to be trying to make some money off of that this season, which is by the way, mind blowing. Could you imagine what kind of money LeVar could have made? Oh, dude. He was on the cover of sports illustrated entering the I season. No, man. Which at oh. the time sports illustrated was the publication like that, yeah. that to be on this cover of sports illustrated in 1999. There's no, like, you could have made a million dollars on that alone, probably. Um, I have but, a LeVar Arrington signed Sports Illustrated. Yeah. He, he signed the I cover. Mean, I've got, I've I'll got never it. forget seeing that. He's like, hold, he's like, arms are above, like, he's like holding a, like a, a barbell above his head, holding the Sports Illustrated, like, logo. Yeah. And he's just like, man, he just looked mean. And it's like, we were preseason number one at the time. Uh, yeah. But so, so Brandon Smith better, better perform. Um, but what, what's really encouraging to me about the linebackers is, you know, uh, Brandon's coming in and he's talking about Curtis Jacobs replacing him at the Sam, Sam linebacker position. Uh, and he's saying, quote, he's definitely ready for the bigger role he's stepping into. Most of the time when, uh, he's saying he's going to do something. It works out like so. So like he, 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 like he said, I even learned from my mistakes that I've made in the past. For the most part, he has a good head on his shoulders. He's smart. He's learning. He's asking many good, many questions to myself and defensive coordinator Brent Pry, and he's going to be good in that position. So this is, this is the, the star linebacker talking about this sophomore linebacker coming in who only played 180 snaps off the bench last year, talking about how he is ready for that bigger role so that's yeah, encouraging to me i, I remember one you talking five about, star linebacker to another five star linebacker yeah, you know yeah definitely and i remember you talking about last week the uh, offensive line had those bookends with uh rashid and um uh, caden oh, yeah. wallace and um 
you know, we have a little bit of a bookend on linebacker, right? On the strong side, weak side. And these guys are uh, like 240 pound athletes, 240 plus this pound is the athletes. Time to, I mean, I, to me, this could be probably the biggest turnaround position group uh, on the defensive side uh, last was, year to this year. There was some anonymous Big Ten coach that said, uh, or no, wait, was it a, I forget if it was an anonymous Big Ten coach or if it was just another uh, reporter. Either way, what they were saying was they couldn't believe the speed that Penn State had on their defense. They couldn't believe some of the speed that we were running with. And these, line, these two bookend linebackers are a big, big reason why people can say something like that. And I think, Andy, you know, Alice Brooks has, has obviously locked down that middle linebacker position. He has, he has pulled himself away from Jesse Lucada being able to, to, to be uh, the, the middle linebacker. Guy. So, dude's got a lot of experience. And, and I think having Brandon in the right position and having this other kid, Curtis Jacobs, coming in, being possible stud, possible beast, uh, it'll only make Ellis Brooks' job better and only make him a better linebacker to be able to make plays for us and hold, lock down the middle properly. So everybody yeah, gets better, the, I the think, middle, from, from these moves. The middle, like, I think you got got to have two qualities. One is you got to be a leader and be able to see uh, what's happening and direct uh, direct the whole defense. I mean, it's like you're the catcher back there, you know. Um, and Ellis Brook, with the experience he has, I think is only going to help him with that. And then y- you've just got to be... Uh, tough man you gotta you gotta be willing to stick your nose in there and um you know again i I think he showed uh, a lot of that toughness last year he wasn't not um you know making a lot of uh splash plays necessarily but at least in the system that brent pry runs you're not looking for the middle linebacker to be that guy um you just need to plug holes be in the right place at the right time and make sure everyone else is too and um you know he's got a great supporting cast around him i'm really i'm really looking forward to this starting linebacker trio um, Andy, who, I'm going to say something about the. Oh, hold on, I'm going to say something about the linebacking core that it's it's a uh, kind of I would say maybe a hot take, possibly. Oh, uh, ooh, a hot I take. think th- I think this will possibly be Penn State's best linebacking core since possibly um, uh, P- Paul Puzlozny and uh, ooh, Dan dude. Connor. And Sean, oh. that Sean Lee, I think it could, oh, I think it has the ability to be the best line. And, and maybe they don't realize it right out of the gate. Maybe, maybe they start playing like it towards like the middle of the season or something like that. But I think maybe by the Ohio state they, game, <laughs> I, ideally, but I think these guys have the ability to grow into the best linebacking core since that those dudes back then in the, in oh, the man the, i would love that mid to late mid to late 2000s oh, i mean I'm, i that, and, and of course you know amazing. i'm not not to throw shade at the, the michael Mowdy um linebacking core um but and michael Mowdy was the man but but uh the, those those dudes were next level those dudes were next level together dan connor sean lee and um, love to see Paul that Lesney. hey so who, who are going to be some of the important backups we might also see for the linebackers tom um, well, you know, we're, we're, uh, some of the, some of the backups we're looking at, uh, there are, um, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it doesn't feel deep, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, Charlie Catcher, I think Jesse Lucada will definitely still play a depth role at linebacker, uh, if, especially if injuries occur, knock on wood. Um, but t- redshirt freshman <laughs> Tyler Elsden and, and then redshirt fresh, or excuse me, true freshman, and twin brother to cornerback Kalen King, 
is Kobe King wearing number 41. Um, Kobe King comes in looking the part. He's like 245, 250 pounds. Um, and nice. I think you, we will definitely see Co- Kobe King in the rotation at some point. Um, but, but yeah, we need these, we need these, um, the starting three to really, you know, play their roles uh, as effectively and as efficiently as possible because I don't think we're going to be relying a ton on our backups, um, which is fine because, you know, we rotate cornerbacks in a lot. We rotate safeties in a lot. We we, we take a, a linebacker off the field in passing situations. So so that's that's good for, like, you know, um, keeping snap counts lower and keeping these guys fresh. Um, so it's not as important for our linebacker depth to be as important as our secondary depth, which is yes. um, something we'll talk about here shortly. Um, yeah, well, so, so let's, yeah, let I, us move on to, to the secondary. Um, sure. Uh, you know, we started with the line, and of course, everything tends to start with a line in football, but we also, that was a little bit of like worst. We, we started with the worst first, you know, uh, and hopefully they'll go from worst to first, uh, through the season. But, um, the secondary, they are probably the best. So we've saved the best for last, um, you know, linebacker group, notwithstanding this secondary has a chance to be one of the all time best secondary units at Penn state. I think that is saying a lot. (laughs) I know. Right. But it's been a, I mean, it has the ability. Sure. To to really be talking about openly. I mean, crazy, (laughs) but like, it's been a long time since Penn state's had a standout secondary and these guys come in with, you know, all the measurables and the experience uh, to, to be really, you know, kind of an anchor for our defense. I mean, uh, a shut down secondary crew where we really harass receivers where we're active and involved. We're making teams afraid to catch the ball or afraid to throw the ball. I mean, that, that would be a huge asset to this team. And, and I think, you know, this, uh, Terry Smith coached unit has a chance to, to really, I mean, to really shine. So, um, you know, we've got one of the things we got coming is, is a tremendous amount of experience in, in, you know, the starting secondary, um, Tariq Castro fields coming back for a fifth year as a corner, uh, alongside Joey Porter jr. Who just blew people away last year, his first year starting and then, uh, safety again, uh, Jaquan Brisker coming back for uh, a fifth year. Uh, Brisker's been all sorts of watch lists this year as safety. Yeah, and then, he's, he's um, a freak. He's he's on the, the freak second, watch list again. The, the second safety, I think, is a little bit more up in the air. A lot of people are talking about Jair Brown. Um, Keaton Ellis has also been discussed there. Well, well, our our Jair Brown, interestingly enough, is uh, also from um, the same school as Jaquan Brisker. These guys transferred yeah. from. From a community college, and my buddy Joel Bettner will uh, enjoy me um, <laughs> quoting him, which is, "You either wanna or you lack a wanna." <laughs> I think that was something. That was something our our our. Fo- I think it was our coach Keeperman said as our uh, football coach in high school would, all, would always say, "You either wanna or you lack a wanna." <laughs> oh my but, um, gosh, but Jair that's... Brown, uh, you know, and um, and Jaquan Brisker could form a pretty formidable safety duo back there. They're both studs and from a, from an athletic perspective. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we were expecting huge things from Jaquan Brisker. Um, but yeah, that doesn't mean that I mean, we don't have depth behind them at all. Yeah, we do. I mean, we, do. we, we do. I mean, Keaton Ellis and Jonathan Sutherland, uh, two also very, very, uh, experienced, experienced. uh, yeah. safeties. Here's the thing that, 
I think a lot of years we've really lacked at the safety position, which is a ball hawking skills. Lactawana? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to keep this. I mean, Andy, yeah, we lacked ball skills because guys were out of position all the time. So I don't know if that was from a, a, like, a a, a schematic standpoint or from the players. I mean, dude, Lamont Wade was just like a thorn in our side last year. No offense to him. We, I liked him as a player. He was good against um, the I wanted run. better things for him. But yeah, he but was not the good pass, coverage at real all. liability. And, he was a and, huge you know, liability. And now they're not trying to factor him in to the rotation, which as an, you know, a five-star upperclassman you would be doing, uh, you know, keeping... Because he was trying to transfer last year, all this stuff. And, and it's just like... You know, now that he's not in the mix there, I think these guys have the ability to be better because he's not there. I mean, Brisker um, and, is, and with that, is extremely, you know, he's, he's got um, length, you know, he, tall guy, um, you know, and, and really good uh, with a ball in the air. You know, I, I think he, I think he had at least one or two interceptions last year. And I'd say that's, that's a real area for growth among this uh, secondary, because well, we did not yeah, have many takeaways last year, dude. No, we were we were very low on the takeaway totem pole, but it, we also what's you know really interesting about the safety group, Andy, is we really get to learn if making a coaching change ha- can have a dramatic, tangible effect on a it's group true. that has a got ton a new of coach talent. Because we have with a second, Anthony Poindexter it, we, came in from Purdue. He's a college football Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl champion. He brings 18 years of collegiate coaching experience to Happy Valley. We pulled him over from Purdue. And guess what Franklin did? He also tabbed him as um, co-defensive coordinator. So this guy is, is no slouch. He's no slouch. And, um, and which really of these uh, two secondary positions is he coaching? Is he safeties? Or I, said, he I the... said safeties. I said safeties. Did you say that? Um, so, so this group yeah. that kind of like was a liability, at least in the passing game last year, we got a new coach for him, and and we'll get a chance to see, you know, whether that makes a difference, especially in terms of positioning and technique. I mean, and he's stuff a like two-time uh, consensus All-American, dude. Wow. He he. Wow. Like I said, a college football Hall of Famer won a Super Bowl with your Baltimore Ravens. All right. So this guy, you know, can recruit. He can coordinate. He can coach. He's got the pedigree. He's got the accolades. And here he is, first year with us, with with a group of safeties that have a ton of experience, a ton of talent, a ton of athleticism. And you know, <laughs> if if any coach could could possibly come into a better situation, I don't know where it is because this guy has a locked and loaded roster at the safety position. And and could there? I don't. There probably isn't a position group that could stand to improve more than than this group you know i i don't there's not there wasn't much to look at last year for being like oh the safeties were amazing you know brisker was good individually but the group to get like uh yeah together, very good point very underwhelming very underwhelming. yeah well let's um turn our attention uh to the cornerbacks now and you know, again, I, Joey Porter Jr. to me just leapt off the page last year as a lockdown type corner. He really held up well against some of the better receivers in the country. Um, Tariq Castro Fields, you know, uh, we mentioned this, um, I think, in our first uh, episode of the season. You know, he he underwhelmed, and it wasn't until the end of the season that we heard that he was actually playing with injury all season. So, makes right. you wonder, you know, with. Um, the experience of Joey Porter Jr. and a healthy Tariq Castro Fields, you know, does this cornerback position have the chance to 
be difference makers. I, I really think they do. Yeah, I'm always I'm always really encouraged by you know a guy like Tariq Castro Fields who could have entered the NFL draft, and him just saying no, I've I I haven't left it on the field yet. And he's coming back to to do his best to leave it on the field for a unit that has talent, has length, has athleticism, uh, has the ability to to take a leap forward. And yeah, man, I just I, I think it's I think it's important for them to to do that too. And and because um, because the depth is there to have a solid like nickel rotation, have a solid uh, first two cornerback rotation, and and I'm you know they're just. They're they're primed. They're ready. They're they're yeah. Because besides there's these, no, um, there's no excuses at this point. Essentially, yeah, I agree. Um, and, and so uh, behind these two, uh, you know, really high quality starters, we've also got some some real good depth, as you mentioned on the cornerback uh, position. Um, Johnny Dixon, uh, he's transferring in from uh, South Carolina, um, and and he ton of had experience a, there. Ton of yeah. Yeah, and I think he's got a he's got a good um, pedigree. Um, we've got uh, Daquan Hardy, who you know ha- had some really good plays last year. There were some times that he got beat, but there were some other times where he showed a lot of potential. So he's coming back a, w- a little more experienced this year. And then uh, a true freshman, probably the freshman who's making the most waves out of camp of anyone, at least from what I've been hearing, is Kalen oh, King, uh, as yep. you mentioned, twin By brother far and away. Uh, of Kobe King. And like people are talking about him as just like an all-world cornerback with like just tremendous instincts for the ball. Yeah. Yeah. He's making plays in the ball in spring, um, the spring game. He had two interceptions, one return for a touchdown. Um, and, and it's not just those two things. Like the coaches and players have been talking about him. Like he is, he is college ready. He is starter material. Like as a, as a true freshman, which, you know, that's no, like Franklin doesn't talk about a true freshman like that. Like sometimes he, sometimes coach coaches like build a player up, um, that's like maybe not quite where they want to be, but they're trying to give him confidence. Doesn't sound like that's what's happening at all when when right. everybody's talking about Kalen King. They're talking about him being a key contributor entering this season. So that's saying a lot with a with a a, a group that has three Castrofields and Joey Porter and and this other guy Johnny Dixon from South Carolina and even you know a contributor and experienced cornerback uh, DeQuan Hardy number twenty five he was very solid for us last year he was he's relied upon a lot and I don't remember him making a a ton of mistakes um so so it's just like. Pick pick who you want, you know, in any given situation. You need to, need to spell Castro Fields. You need to spell Joey Porter. Let's see what the freshman has. Let's see what this transfer has. Let's see what Daquan Hardy's got. These guys are going to be relied upon quite a bit because we all know that Franklin and the and Brent Pry like to s- rotate um, their cornerbacks quite a bit, quite a Dude, bit. Dude, what was the worst down and distance last year? For the I defense? feel like you have the answer for me, and I don't even need to guess. Third and long, dude. Third and long. I mean, like, oh, yeah, that, oh, that well, was of course, yeah, I know that. Right? I think you meant like the actual singularly no. worst third and long. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, but, but no, I, I mean, you know, this secondary has a chance to turn third and long into what it should be, which is uh, an incomplete pass or, uh, you know, stop for, uh, you know, less than the first down yeah. and get us off the field. Like, how much of that was just like Brent Prize, um, Again, I'm really going to be interested to see what Anthony Poindexter does from a co-defensive coordinator 
like um perspective since he's he controls the safeties and he is uh, has been a defensive coordinator for other teams in the past and I'm really, really, really interested to see if this is going to translate to a schematic change. Yes, to a, very to good a, point. To a, very good point. It just always felt like we were played off the ball or played off yeah, the we're receiver. We're just out of position. We're or all the time. You know, we we're like giving up, giving ten yards at all times, even yeah. on third downs. Like we're not, get, we're not stopping these players at the chains or in front of the chains. We're giving them the chains every time. Like here, yeah. here's your soft coverage. Like I am sick of seeing that soft coverage. Yeah, like it, you know, third and seven for years. And, yeah, for and years. your your cornerbacks are playing at the ten yard mark. <laughs> you like, know, I get it. You it's just like, don't want to get beat deep. But guess what? They're going to get beat. You eventually get into the red zone, yeah, right? By a with thousand that, paper with that schematic and that and that philosophy. So yeah. it's anyway, you're just pu- putting off the guillotine. Cool. You're still getting <laughs> the guillotine. Yeah. You know. So so let's play with this play. Let's call plays. Let's call the schemes and plays like we have some confidence in these athletes that we're touting that, 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 that it seems we have like, let's play on, let's play man, man, let's, let's be aggressive. You know, yeah, I, like I'd if, love if Franklin it. wants to have an explosive offense, why not try and have an explosive defense too? Yes, please. Yeah. Right. Well, like, put. so, so, so look, let's get our um, defense off the field. All right, let's give our offense the ball. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So you know, we got we got some question marks on the line. We've got high expectations for the linebackers, and we've got depth and experience. And, in and the I secondary. just want to say, with those question marks on the line, we went into last year with the wide receivers being a massive question mark, and they yeah. overperformed. So the D line has hopefully the D line can be that next like. Wow, you really, you know, exceeded you expectations. Yeah. Stepped up. Yeah. That's hopefully they can be that next wide receiver, you know, grouping of that that makes that mega leap forward. Really hoping for that. Of course. Uh we'll need it, I think. Um, but you know, all those things taken into consideration. Um, you know, I'm just curious about your take on the defense as a whole. I've got a quote here from um John Sauber. Uh he's a writer for the CDT. Um, and and he says Center Daily Times. Yes, Not he to says, be confused uh, with my world, which is the Continental Divide Trail. Good point. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. <laughs> um, he says, quote, the group as a whole, the, meaning the defense, should be one of the best in the Big Ten and one of the top 15 to 20 defenses in the country by the end of the season. He goes on to say he thinks that the defense could carry the Nittany Lions in 2021. Oh, uh, that's high man. praise, dude. What do you, what that do you is think? High What's praise. your take? Well, so... You know, if I were a betting man, and I'm not, um, but if I were a betting man, I I would put my money, I, I, I would place my hopes in the offense carrying the team. Not hopes, I'm sorry, expectation. I would ca- put my expectations on the offense carrying the team. But that's not to say that I don't want the defense to be able to do that. You know, when I think of Penn State football, I think of bruising defenses i think of of just smothering and you know anaconda like python like squeezing the off the life out of these offenses and and we you know we didn't see it last year but it's something we've certainly come to expect from you know in our lifetime of, of penn state defenses you know linebacker you let's bring that back let's let's have first round you know, defensive ends and defensive tackles. Um, you know that kind of talent on the on the offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line. So, do I want what that guy uh, said to be the case? Absolutely, I want to see <laughs> our t- 
top 15, top 10 defense. I want to see us yes, getting please. more sacks than anyone in the country. I want to see us having the most tackles for loss in the Big Ten. I want to see all of that. I, I don't know if I can... I, I don't think I'm going to see it in the first two to three weeks, four weeks. But by the fourth or fifth week, it's very possible that we could be seeing all these pieces coming together and gelling to to having that kind of a defense that that guy's talking about. Um, I can see that the talent's there. The talent's there, Andy. It, it really is. There's no excuses. It's just that D line. It's we really need to yeah. see that D line to in order in order for that you know that that whole. You know, the flux capacitor of the defensive units, you know, come come together. If you if you're missing one part of that that capacitor, you know, that you're not gonna be able to travel in time, huh, huh Doc Brown? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that's a rich metaphor worthy of uh exploring further. But we, I we, we need one point twenty one gigawatts, dude. <laughs> we, <laughs> All right. You're not gonna uh, get it without the defensive line. Yeah, that's a great point. Um you know, for my part, I, I see this defense taking a huge step forward over last year. And I expect that, uh, uh, you know, a dominating uh, linebacker position on dominating uh, secondary is going to really carry the defense, uh, you know, and that we're going to see splash plays. We're going to see turnovers. We're going to see the team getting off the field a lot more often. It may not right. be because of stopping the run it may not be because of uh quarterback sacks at least from the d line but i i think we're gonna see a, a much more aggressive uh much more opportunistic defense and i think we're gonna see the ball back in the hands of the offense a lot more frequently than we did last year right i agree I so <laughs> <laughs> i agree it's high praise guys coming from tom gathman well, um, so that's that's the defense for you. Um, that's our preview of the Penn State defense. And hey, less than two weeks, we'll be able to see them on the field. Um, but now we're going to turn our attention to the final group uh, on the Penn State team this year, and that's our special teams coached by Joe Lorig. Um, we're not going to go a full breakdown uh, on this, but we did want to just sort of review last year's performance which i gotta say was subpar yeah gotta gotta say it uh, 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 our um place kicking not great our ki kickoffs were kickoffs were good kickoffs, kickoffs were alone. okay kickoffs well, were we want them to be Kick kickoffs and punt returns were were you know very good i would say uh good the punt very returns good were exceptional <laughs> we were, i think we were the tops in the country Number we one punt, punt returns. That's thank number you, one Jahan punt return average, average, not like yeah. total yards, but like yards per punt return average. Thanks to Jahan Dotson was the number one at twenty what twenty four point four uh twenty four point six um yards uh per, almost twenty five yards per return on average. Yeah, so it's a quarter Mr. of the Dotson. field, people. And if he, and that's only if he's that's only if he's uh, returning it from the goal line. So if he's returning from the 25, we're at the midfield already. If you're returning yeah. it from the 40, we're, you know, <laughs> approaching the red zone already. Yeah, so, so that he's doesn't a factor in... He's a weapon. doesn't factor in um, fair catches, obviously. There were a lot of fair right. catches from Dotson. I know a lot of teams last year um, specifically tried to keep him from being able to return. So the, the short kicks or, you know, uh, hitting it to the corner or making sure that he was swarmed. So, so he, you know, he only had eight returns, but those eight returns were deadly. Yeah, and and did he, if you didn't mention it, he had a touchdown as well. 
Yeah, yeah. One of them for a touchdown. Um, yeah. So looking forward to seeing him get his hands on the ball this year. Um, so that was a bright point. Um, definitely our, our kick return game, uh, thanks to uh, Mr. Jordan Stout. Um, he put it into the end zone 42 times last year. Pretty good number. So That's my favorite um, number. <laughs> so we were 13th in the country in kick return defense, and I think that includes those touchbacks. Um, the average return yardage that we allowed was uh, 17.25 yards. Uh, like I said, good for 13th in the country. So that's another high point. But once you get beyond those two, it falls off pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our field goal kicking was also terrible. 69% for Jake Pinnegar. Um, Not amazing. Um, and he missed no. inside of 30. He missed inside of 40. He missed, uh, you know, I think he even missed uh, some extra points in there somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, um, and, you know, even Jordan Stout wasn't great from, from long range. He was only um, two of five last year. Yeah. Which, you know, I get it. They're over 50 yards. Like those are like kind of coin flips sometimes, depending on the, you know, the circumstances, like, uh, with I mean, the these days, doing. honestly, like, where bro, are you? Like, like, honestly, these days I feel like anything inside of 50 should be a gimme. He did miss one inside of 50. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is college players. This isn't pros. Uh, yes, but like this is you're talking about a team that's aspiring to be one of the top four in the country. Well, here here's what here's and that's what, the problem. Here's what's an issue. Okay, first of all, Joe Lorig, um, prior to this year, our special teams were great the year before. Yes, this is gr- true. So I think another product of um, you know, the 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 uh, team not being able to be together with their coaches. Well, that's one aspect of this because Franklin hates having his kickers have multiple duties. Guess what, Jordan Stout? Did you just did? say duties? Duties, not <laughs> duties. All right. How old are you? <laughs> Sorry. So, so um, Jordan Stout, Franklin has long been, you know, said I don't like my kickers to have multiple duties. Okay, so Jordan Stout, <laughs> like last like year, it, had triple sorry, duties. Just, like during the course of the game, like he, sh- he should only, yeah, he shouldn't be running to the I toilet multiple times. We're talk- <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to shorten these, right? We're trying to yeah. shorten these episodes, yeah, right. right? You just put me in my so, place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is my, that's for me to be doing, not you. Okay, so um, <laughs> leave that joke so, to me. So Jordan Stout kicking the 50 plus or, you know, 40 plus, 50 plus. Um, and he's also doing kickoffs and he's punting. It was his first time taking on the punting duties. All right. Yeah, and how did he do uh, with those duties? Uh, punting was uh, not good. I mean, essentially. It was not. He, 62nd not in net punting, which is, you know, that's net punting. Um, so it wasn't, that's, that's not just factoring his ability to punt, but it's also factoring our ability to cover punts. Well, so, also in his ability to put the ball where it's not going to be able to be returned. Listen, and losing I, a guy like Blake Gillikin is very difficult. Uh, it's the you worst. You know, very but, difficult. But here's, a, you know, look, I, I think Jordan Stout had two problems last year. Um, one is he either kicked the ball too far, that is he overkicked our coverage. Um, or, you know put it in a, as a touchback. And so that really harms your net if you're, you know, only kicking from midfield and, and get a touchback. But the other is that he, he would sometimes shank punts and, and the punts themselves were just not very, very good. It, we did not have the ability to flip the field very often last year. And that was right. A big problem. Right. So, I mean, if so, you're only netting, if you're netting less than 40 yards punt, 
Like that's listen, just that's tough, listen. dude. Jordan Stout has speaking of elite. defense having trouble, right? Jordan Stout has an elite leg, elite power for an elite leg. And he, it was his first year not even being able to like be with his coaches while trying to take on these extra duties. And it's so so now that they're his an, an entire season off season with his coach, who's been proven to be a great uh, special teams coach. He has talked about you know I'm yeah, I'm really disappointed in the way that I performed my punting uh, duties last year. Um, and I he's like I know I can be better. I know I can do better. And he's been working on his um, accuracy and his power uh, with punting this off season. So I think we can. I think we're going to be able to see a leap forward in the special teams as a whole, but also in our punting because losing Blake Gillikin, the guy was like. I, I don't know how he didn't win Big Ten Best Punter because the guy was amazing. He was a, a weapon. Yeah. I don't think people valued the ability for him to like place the ball exactly where he did all the time. They were just looking at like, oh, who kicked uh, the highest average uh, punts per you know yards per punt? And it was like you know, Blake Gilkin was up in the top three, but like whoever had the top, I think won Big Ten Punter of the Year award. Um, but nobody was as deadly accurate with like placing the ball inside the twenty as Gilkin was. Yeah, Amazing. it was it was so Jordan unreal. Stout has been able to do kickoff, you know, touchbacks out the wazoo, and 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 I think the next implementation of his ability to be a great kicker and punter um, is this is you know honing in his skills as being a punter, and I think we're going to see it this year. Well, we need it, you know, and again, yeah. um, it put our defense in tough positions last year. If we if we get some better, you know, field position switches from punting. This year, that'll be a huge boon to the defense as well. Um, the other area that we just weren't great at was uh, kick returns. Uh, we're only fifty third in the country in kick returns, um, and um, I think we I think we fair catch a lot, and, and, and you know I think that's a part of our strategy is fair. Yeah, catch. and just just put it on the twenty five. Um, Devin yeah. Ford is returning uh, as a kick returner. Um, he he returned five kicks last year. Um, uh, which was tied for the team in the number of returns. Um, uh, probably joined by either Parker Washington or Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan Brisker. I'm hearing Jaquan Brisker as a as like a dark horse candidate because uh, the guy's fast and he's a, yeah. Typically, a we put two too. guys back there, and um, you know, uh, so so it'll be. It depends on which way they kick it as to which one might be the returner. Um, you know, but I, I would say, you know, remember that end of the season when Lamont Wade got back there and he actually right. like, he actually had some amazing returns. And I think one of the things that we just haven't had in a while is like an electric kick returner. Yeah. It's like I we probably turned to Saquon him on Barkley was put back. We turned right? to him when it was too late. Like we, like why haven't we been using no, Lamont so Wade in that role like long, long ago. So hopefully. But it'd be interesting if, um, if. If Brisker or maybe Washington, you know, and Ford didn't seem to do a whole lot with it last year. Maybe he'll yeah, take a step forward. He's but been underwhelming. He's been underwhelming as a player I mean, for me. Solid, sadly, just sadly. solid. Underwhelming know. for but me. I'm saying maybe it could be his year. You know, I mean, he's he's trying to make a name for himself uh, in the running backs. You know, and try, trying to contribute on uh, kick returns. It'd be nice to well, see him step up. So here's here's a, a, a kick re, or excuse me a punt returning conundrum is you know remember how we also would run Saquon Barkley uh, from a, from a kickoff uh, and everybody's yes. like oh my gosh you're running your best why would you do that yeah like, risk injury blah blah people blah. are talking about like hey why would you risk Jahan Dotson on punt returns and it's like 
uh, he was the number one awesome. punt returner in the country. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that's why. That's why. And yeah. when it's when you have a special player like that, special teams can flip a field. Special teams can win you a game. You know, if he can get a touchdown or two this year and and, and flip the field for us and, and along the way, like why wouldn't we? You know, I, I, I use your use your best players when you, however you can. Lavar Harrington as a freshman was on kick coverage duties and he was ripping <laughs> people's heads off. He was on punt blocking d- duties. He was on kick blocking duties. Like yeah, I you put your, your best athletes. athletes in a position yeah. to to make plays. Yeah, so, oh. so you know, obviously, as long as Dotson is healthy, as long as it's not overtaxing him and, and taking away from his uh, primary receiving duties, I'd say, uh, you know, put him back Let there her rip. and let's see what happens. Let her rip. Yeah. Um, so, w- one of the pr- positives is that all of the same guys who were who are key contributors last year um, are, are back this year. So, they have a whole other year of experience. Uh, their only exception potentially, is that we've got a new place kicker on campus this year, freshman Sander Sahaydek. I don't know if yeah. I'm saying that right. I don't know, yeah, but, I don't know um, how to pronounce that. He was, um, depending on who you're looking at, either the number one or number two kicker in uh, the 21 recruiting class. So he's a true freshman. Um, right. You know, and I'm wondering, especially with Pinnegar's, you know, kind of subpar performance, is he going to give Jake Pinnegar a run for his money. Uh, does he have a chance to win that uh, place kicking push him. spot? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting because I, I think yeah. we we've got to do better on place kicking. We got there were definitely times last year where it felt like we were not putting the kick unit out there yeah. because we didn't have confidence that they could kick for it. sure. And like I think there were times when it's like if we had made some of those field goals we had missed, it would have been a different game. You know, like, yeah, I th- totally. I think, that, we, didn't, that, I think it, we didn't get blown out of a lot of games. You know, there were one or two that we just looked terrible in. But, but, but you like know, the special teams certainly felt like they put us in a position to lose. Yes, when you and especially when you miss a couple of field goals in a single game, it yeah. demo, it's demoralizing, and you're like yeah, feel yeah. like you're playing catch up. And you, you know, when you could have hey, gotten you know, at least three points, you end up getting no points. And uh, I don't know how long this has been the case, Andy, but our our um, special teams coordinator Joe Lorig. Do you know he's also our outside linebackers coach? <laughs> did I you know did that? Not know that. No, I didn't I did know not. that either until just just today. I just I saw that in his in his uh, resume. I was like, what? Huh. I thought that was Brent Ryan just doing that. But so so let's hope that that you know that <laughs> let's hope that, that doesn't like, divert his attention. Yeah, to the special teams. <laughs> so so you know, yeah. that's, I'm assuming that'll be his primary role, role. But the special teams isn't practicing while the defense is practicing. So it's like you know when it's time for special teams to practice, like the defense is not practicing. They're like say, the same with the offense. The offense is not practicing. So it's not like he's necessarily like not having time for special teams and or outside linebackers because. Franklin breaks down the practices by positions or by uh, units. I mean, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think it's really. I mean, it's a tough, tough campaign if you're if you're really trying to vote for who is the, you know, most uh, problematic unit of the team last year: offense, defense, or special teams. <laughs> special teams right. definitely. Special teams definitely has a, a case, you know, as like, you know, it's one of the three phases and boy, there were just so many times where they were just not 
helping out when they when they could have when they, when they could have made a difference they kind of they kind of put us in a hole so let's hope they get their mojo back this year let's hope they build on the good things from last year i mean jake pinnegar two years ago he was 11 for 12 you know that's a 90 yeah. almost a 92 percent um you know field goal percentage rate um so that was a huge step back to get, to move down below 70 percent last year maybe he gets back up there you know if, if you're making 90 95 a percent of your field goals that's a lot of confidence you know so um a lot of room I mean, for ideally growth. ideally all all of these like deficiencies like you know <laughs> lead to the ability to get better you know if, if, if last yeah. year was a wash and you could uh, gain all that experience and knowledge from from what what not to do and yep. you know and you were serviceable the year before if not better then maybe you're like, okay, now I'm a fully experienced player, and I know how to put all these pieces together, and 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 hopefully the coaches can can put help put all these pieces together to make these players that much better and elevate their game past those doldrums that we had last season. Uh, I mean, obviously, Andy, year in and year out, um, every every off season leading into the opening game. Everything is possible. Everything, you know, like the yeah. optimism can be there. And I feel like there's a lot of reason for optimism with every position on the entire field uh, that, that we're dealing with here. Um, and I think special teams is, you know, uh, they have the ability to, to make a huge leap forward. Um, would we, yeah. would we want them to, to get better as always. Yes, we want them to get better, but this should be a big leap forward for a team, for a unit that's going to be as experienced as it is at this point. Yeah. And that experience goes all the way through really, you know, all three phases. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, a lot of reasons for optimism, a lot of reasons to think that this will be a turnaround season. Um, you know, we're at our 90 minutes, bro. And, um, you know, I, I would just say with with that, you know, we've we've done the offense, we've done the defense, we've done the special teams. I'm wondering if you have just any last kind of thoughts on this team as we've just overviewed it, like in a sentence or two. Where are you at going into the season right now with this? Penn Andy, State you know team? how I feel going into every season. Last year, <laughs> we were going we're going undefeated. <laughs> we're going undefeated last year, Andy. <laughs> you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that's last season. Hindsight for last, last season. Season was twenty. This season, <laughs> um, you know, twenty twenty one. It's twenty twenty one. Good point. Um, yeah. So yeah, I really feel like um, that you know Franklin has a lot to prove uh, coming out of uh, last year, and I really, really expect him to put the pedal to the metal and really. I, I expect to see I, he's probably already lit a fire under a lot of these players and a lot of these coaches. And he's probably super focused on making sure this team is better than last year. I can, I literally believe that Franklin, um, that that last season was, you know, just not indicative of what we should be expecting from Franklin and, and Penn state moving forward. I really anticipate a, a big swing in, in production from a lot of these units that were underperforming last year. And I really expect our win column, uh, total to look totally different from last year. Um, if we, however, I, I'm going to say it, I've said it already. It's all about Wisconsin. It's yeah. all about Wisconsin. It is you know how we have looked to open games in first quarters um how just like like we've looked disinterested 
if this first game is like is like you know how we how we open games uh and some in some of our games last year we are going to be in trouble quickly you know because because this team showed that after getting punched in the mouth from indiana albeit you know uh, a, a, a questionable call we can't allow that to happen again we need to come out ready to be, be the one swinging on a team like wisconsin we need to be the one dictating the game against wisconsin and yeah well i would say all of these predictions all of these takes will you know we'll get a reality check real quick and just uh in just 12 days um you know from my uh perspective high expectations high expectations the talent is there across the board the experience is there yep. across the board um we do have a few question marks at a few key spots including on the d line including um, on with the quarterback right <laughs> um but you also have some strength around those question marks to help mitigate you know some of the challenges i think the real question is whether each of these units can play up to their potential. I think a lot of that has to do with coaching and preparation. A lot of that has to do with just cohesion and mindset. But um, yeah, I think we're going to see a team this year that looks a lot more like the Penn State team uh, we're used to seeing. I mean, and I think there's, I think there's an outside chance that this could be a great team. Not that every person or every position is going to be great, but that as a unit, on both sides of the ball and in special teams, we have the we have the pieces of the puzzle to 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 make it a truly great football team and and do some truly great things. Not saying we're going undefeated, this team's but hungry. I, I think yeah, this team I, is a hungry, which team. is another Hung, kind of hungry to prove that they aren't the team from last year. Whereas the year before, they were like, ah, we're gonna make it. You know, coming off that Memphis Cotton Bowl win, and they were almost yeah. like a little too full of themselves, a little too That's sure. That's another. Themselves important factor i think that you know it's an underdog they, team they realize that they've got to earn it and they've got to prove it yep and um that's a different position compared to where they're coming from last year which maybe i don't know we weren't in the room but maybe was a little entitled and then covid hits and the, a couple of losses it's, and like you're totally got the wind knocked out of you so i, it's I think super I, important to be a hungry team against a team like wisconsin yeah, because you're yeah. gonna have to be at a dogfight. So how how hungry you're are you really? At Wisconsin, you know. Well, look, we're gonna talk about Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, depth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next week, we're gonna talk about the schedule in depth next week, uh, and we're gonna give our uh, final thoughts and maybe even some season predictions. We'll be thinking, yep. Tom, about yep. it. Um, look, um, it's it's been a great show i'm really excited i'm getting super excited for the season um for all you who are, who are still listening to us right now want to remind you that we would love to hear from you what are your questions what are your comments what do you want to hear us talk about in our last preseason episode next week um blue and an white brothers at gmail.com blue and white brothers at gmail.com and is spelled out yes yeah, so send us an email um looking forward to it bro um but until then it always starts with I love starts you. Starts with I love you, and it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. It always ends with I love you. And also, what starts with mm and ends with O, oh, Milano. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> All right. Thank you for hey, that. Hey, thanks for being here with us, guys uh, and girls. And, um, you know, can't can't wait for this season to kick off. Andy, thanks for, uh, you know, being my brother. Appreciate yeah, you. Love you, bro. Love you. Take care. Wow.
Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 